The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. Let's bring in Kirk Apfel this morning, meteorologist at the National Weather Service. We had a wintry day Sunday for parts of the area. Uh, Kirk, what's in store this week? Well, things uh, should be getting better, certainly over the next couple of days. Uh, today, uh, uh, at least it won't be snowing, although it will be cool with highs uh, around 30. After that, a warming trend through the middle of the week. Tuesday and Wednesday both look dry and a uh, fair amount of sunshine with highs uh, by uh, Wednesday probably reaching 50 degrees. Wow. You know, we're now in the second half of February. Does the threat of lake effect diminish at this time of year, despite the lake being open of ice? Oh, normally uh, the big reason that the lake effect would go down is because normally the lake is frozen this time of year. That's not the case now. Uh, so there still is a risk of lake effect. However, one issue that there can be is, is uh, as the sun angle gets higher and stronger, it tends to disrupt the bands during the daylight hours at least. So it's a little more difficult to get lake effect, but it still is possible if the lake is open. Okay. And snow totals, where do we stand right now for Buffalo? It seems like we got all our snow at once, right? Yeah, we got it all in in two weeks and then a few other storms. Uh, It was definitely compacted. Uh, We got uh, 59 inches uh, measured here at the airport so far, which is about 14 inches below normal, uh, which is not that much compared to some of our surrounding areas. For example, some of the snow belts, the uh, south towns and ski country are uh, probably running several feet below normal. They typically get a lot more snow, and this year they're probably even, or some of them are even below where the airport is. Really interesting. Kirk, thank you. Uh, No problem. I enjoy the nice weather coming up. Yeah, we will. That's Kirk Apfel, meteorologist at the National Weather Service. Here's what's happening. Flags in Minnesota flying at half-staff, honoring two police officers and a paramedic shot and killed, responding to a domestic disturbance that turned into a barricade situation. Reporter Jonah Kaplan has more on how the incident unfolded. As police arrived, the man opened fire. Several officers uh, did uh, return fire. I will note that this individual had uh, several guns and large amounts of ammunition. Two 27-year-old officers from the Burnsville Police Department were struck and killed. A paramedic who rushed to the aid of one of them also died in the shootout. There were several guns and large amounts of ammunition inside the home. Seven children were also inside the home. Officials say the family escaped safely. The suspect in the shooting also died. Hundreds of people gathered last night for a vigil to remember the victims near Minneapolis. The Niagara County Sheriff has identified the two people who died after a stolen vehicle crashed into a tree during a chase in the city of Lockport Saturday afternoon. The two occupants in the car were identified as 29-year-old Michael Walker and 28-year-old Anna Serrato, both from Rochester. The stolen car was at a gas station when a deputy gave commands for the occupants to exit the vehicle. Instead, they sped away. A chase ensued, but due to excessive speed, the deputy backed off. At some point on Route 31, the stolen vehicle hit a tree. Both victims were dead at the scene. As the project to cover a portion of the 33 is moving forward, state officials and local advocates continue to fight back the opposition. 
WBEN's Brayton Wilson is here with more. Some people who oppose the Kensington Expressway project in East Buffalo feel the $1 billion dedicated to this project could go to better utilization elsewhere throughout the community rather than going towards capping Route 33. However, it's not just as simple as redistributing the dedicated money for other uses within the community. The money for this project is solely transportation money, which may not find its way back into the community if this project is squashed one way or another. To lose $55 million from President Joe Biden, to lose $1 billion from the state of New York that was hard fought for, and to lose the momentum that has been created in the energy of this community, all because a handful of naysayers want to stop progress? No. We've done this before. We in Western New York are notorious for letting the voices of a few dominate the will of the majority. I will not let that happen. That's Governor Kathy Hochul. Meanwhile, others feel the Kensington Expressway shouldn't be reimagined in this fashion. Rather, they want to see the highway filled in, allowing for humble Parkway to return to its previous glory before the expressway was constructed. However, chair of the Restore Our Community Coalition, Sydney Brown, knows there's a large amount of people who rely on the Kensington Expressway on a daily basis. She feels filling in the Kensington will cause more harm than good, especially when it comes to congesting the region with even more traffic, especially for anyone needing medical care. You try to fill this in, you cut off the safety. We have a medical corridor, Oshai Children's Hospital. You need someone from the suburbs to get there and you have to try to navigate, let alone, I'll say, when traffic is heavier. Minutes saves lives. When it's a lot of traffic, we're talking about 10, 15, 20 minutes. We don't want to cut off the life of people who need a medical center and hospitals that we have. So it's not possible. More on the support for the Kensington Expressway project is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Thanks, Brayton. This weekend, the Erie County Republican Committee and Conservative Party endorsed James Gardner as their candidate for Erie County District Attorney. Gardner is a former assistant district attorney, now working as a law clerk for Erie County Court Judge Kenneth Case. Gardner says he's focused on being a law and order district attorney committed to holding criminals accountable. He will likely face Michael Kane, top deputy for Erie County District Attorney John Flynn in the November election. Kane has already received the endorsement from Democrats. A local woman-owned business is struggling to work on the Buffalo Bills new stadium project. WBEN's Tom Puckett says the owner is bidding on projects, but red tape is holding it up. Jen Kuhn owns 51% of Hamburg Overhead Door, but she's told by the state she doesn't qualify as a woman business enterprise. I rely too heavily on my brother, Jason, who is my 49% owner, to run the operations of the business. He does work with the installers in the field, but they feel that because I'm not working directly with the installers or installing the product myself in the field, that I'm not qualified for women-owned status. That status is important as she bids on installing some 200 overhead doors for the Bills Stadium project. The Bills are hoping to award our specifications within the next two weeks. And after meeting with them a week ago, they are understanding that at this time, they have to act as if I do not have the WBE certification. Could things change? Hear from Kuhn online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Thank you for that, Tom. Well, Southern California, again under a flood watch in Los Angeles and numerous counties around the city. It's another atmospheric river striking the area, causing mudslides and road closures. The rain started last night. The good news is Ventura County residents know the drill when it comes to rain. Some of the uh, provisions and preparations they've made from storms over the last few weeks. Now, over the next few days, the concern is a high surf warning. Waves up to 12 feet high are expected here in Ventura through Tuesday. 
That's Lori Perez with KCAL-TV out in L.A. And the most important event of the NASCAR calendar was postponed yesterday to today. After two days of heavy rain, NASCAR's season-opening Daytona 500 starts a day late at 4 p.m. Eastern today. 2015 Daytona champion Joey Logano has the pole position for Team Penske. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is the defending champ. The 2020 Daytona 500 was postponed after 20 laps, resuming the next day. The last Daytona pushed back a full day was in 2012. Joey Waller, ABC News. All right, weather impacting a lot of things around the country. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Partly sunny today. Winds will be lighter with highs near 30 degrees this afternoon. Tonight, partly cloudy and cold. Overnight lows in the upper teens. On Tuesday, mix of sun and clouds with highs near 40. Partly sunny near 50 on Wednesday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. On this President's Day, we're checking in with Brian Hayden at the Buffalo History Museum to look at Buffalo's history with U.S. presidents. You know, it seems, Brian, that outside of Washington, D.C., Buffalo might have the most presidential connections. Would you agree? Absolutely, Susan. I mean, I think you don't really have to look further than our presidential history to really, you know, understand how Buffalo is such a significant city in American history. You know, the lives of several presidents, you know, directly intersected with our city. You could really argue, you know, that the road to the White House often led through Buffalo uh, in, you know, throughout the 19th century. So, you know, in our museum, we have artifacts related to Millard Fillmore and to Grover Cleveland, who each spent, you know, formative years of their lives here um, before they became president. And we also, you know, share the history uh, from the 1901 Pan American Exposition, which was where uh, President William McKinley was assassinated. And then, of course, Theodore Roosevelt subsequently came to Buffalo uh, to take the oath of office in 1901. Yeah, that to me is a very fascinating time in Buffalo's history, that Pan Am Exposition in 1901, as you mentioned, that event drew massive crowds at the time to Buffalo. I mean, it was like the World's Fair. Um, President McKinley was visiting Buffalo for the Pan Am Exposition and was assassinated here. What do you know about that time? What kind of artifacts do you have at the museum to represent this? Yeah, I mean, our our continuum exhibit really relays, you know, those tense days in September of 1901 where you know the president was shot um, by an anarchist Leon Sholgosh and you know for a number of days the nation remained on edge on whether you know he was going to survive or not and he ultimately succumbed to his injuries so we actually have uh, the gun on display uh, that Sholgosh used to assassinate President McKinley and that was in the Temple of Music which is uh, on you know, around where present day uh, Fordham Drive is, just a few blocks north of our museum. We also have the handkerchief that uh, that Sholgosh used to conceal the gun, and even some of the surgical instruments that were used on McKinley when uh, the doctors tried to perform surgery on him. So really just a number of uh, pretty amazing artifacts from this extraordinary and tumultuous period in American history, you know, that took place right here in our city. Right. And if I recall, wasn't it expected that he would survive the gunshot wound? 
Yeah, we even have a, a you know, at that time, there were a number of uh, ribbons being made that people could sort of pin to their attire. In uh, one of them said, you know, the president survives. Uh, it was sort of a quick turnaround ribbon that was made uh, to kind of reassure the public at the time. Um, so, you know, he, he was in the Milburn House, which is where President Day uh, Canisius High School is at Delaware and West Ferry, uh, but then he ultimately developed an infection after about a week uh, and took a turn for the worse and died. And so Theodore Roosevelt was, uh, you know, vacationing with his family in the Adirondacks and had to rush to Buffalo to take the oath of office. And of course, that's where the Theodore Roosevelt inaugural site is on Delaware Avenue. Um, we actually have in our collection, it's not on display right now, but uh, the coat that Ansley Wilcox uh, lent Theodore Roosevelt on the day that uh, he became president. So that's another sort of slice of history in our collection related to the presidents. Right. And then, of course, the Wilcox Mansion is a, a president, national presidential uh, site. What's left from the Pan Am Exposition in terms of buildings that are here in Buffalo? I, I think that your building, the History Museum, is one of them. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, permanent structures, uh, the museum is really the last remaining landmark uh, from the exposition. Uh, we were the New York State building during the Pan Am Exposition. And, uh, you know, so a number of, like, displays and exhibits related to New York State's story, you know, were in our building in 1901. But most of the exposition buildings, no matter how magnificent they looked in black and white photos, you know, they were not intended to last. And, and so much of the fairgrounds, you know, were, were demolished in that winter after uh, the exposition. But our building, you know, the Historical Society at the time made an agreement that, you know, the New York State Building would be built to last. And so we get to have this magnificent National Historic Landmark where uh, we share the story of Buffalo and it's from this incredible moment in our city's history as well. Uh, Brian, you have an exhibit this week at the museum, Presidential Palooza. What does that include? Yeah, so we brought out some of our more unusual presidential artifacts for a, a special temporary display that even includes a piece of wedding cake that was from Grover Cleveland's 1886 White House wedding to Buffalonian Francis Folsom. Uh, we have a, it's really, you know, presidential programming for kids and families to come by during the February break. So like there'll be a scavenger hunt to look for the different presidential artifacts in our museum. We have special, you know, presidential themed uh, tours in our museum on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday of, of the coming week. And uh, really just uh, looking to highlight, you know, Buffalo's ties to the White House and, and the rich presidential history we have here. Wow, a piece of wedding cake. How in the world has that been preserved? <laughs> so it was uh, something similar to like a fruit cake uh, that was served in 1886, and it was heavily steeped in alcohol. And so that's the only reason, um, you know, it remains to this day. Uh, not recommended for consumption, but. At the same time, uh, you know, we were able to bring it back out. It's probably the last time for several years where we will bring it out because uh, it's in a rather fragile state. 
And so uh, we need to just to ensure its care. Uh, if, if you want to see Grover Cleveland's wedding cake, uh, this is the week to see it. Wow, that is really, really interesting. I've just got one more question for you. Do people come here to Buffalo because of our presidential connections? Does this, is this become a destination? Yeah, there's no question that I think, you know, we've become a destination for presidential history buffs. You know, the, the, the history we have, I think, especially related to the transition of power that took place here in 1901, um, you know, only a handful of sites outside the nation's capital have that kind of history in the United States. So it's a story, I think, that we're sharing uh, in a more compelling way than ever before. And, uh, you know, we're always excited to welcome visitors who are eager to discover that story. Brian, thank you very much. Susan, thanks so much for having me. Brian Hayden from the Buffalo History Museum. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.